This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. It's interesting how sometimes we go through life and we just keep taking action every day, knowing we're working too hard or maybe we're what we're doing isn't actually living our purpose. And sometimes it takes something catastrophic to make us pause, to make us reflect, and to compel us to take the actions that that we haven't had the confidence to take. For me, I had to witness a colleague having a stroke and take a 40% pay cut for me to wake up and realize that I needed to make changes in my life. For the man today, it meant letting his stress levels get so high that it put him in the hospital for him to wake up and realize that all the things that were on his calendar simply didn't matter. This experience prompted him to take what he was doing and ultimately put it into a a new book that came out called The Free Time Formula, which you guys are welcome to check out anywhere books are available. Today, we're going to explore his journey and the changes that he now makes when it comes to scheduling his time, to the things that he chooses to invest his time in, and the things that you can do to begin taking action today. With that, let's get into this conversation with the author of The Free Time Formula and the host of the 5am Miracle Podcast, Jeff Sanders. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to to having. For for those of you who do not know Mr. Sanders, he is the host of the 5 a.m. Miracle podcast. And he's somebody that way back when I was in medical sales, when I was starting my podcast journey with the mentee, Jeff, you were one of the people I connected with early on. So that's got to be four years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. I remember the mentee was a good podcast. And uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, fun times. Yeah. And, and, you know, since then you you come out with this book, the the free time formula, and that was all inspired because you had a fairly powerful defining moment in your life. Talk to us about that. Yeah, it happened basically a year ago. I was uh, in the middle of a very busy season of my life. I had uh, opted into a bunch of really fun projects, and I was excited about it. I was actually I thought I was in a really good place where I had you know a lot of fun things I wanted to do, and my schedule looked like something I wanted to tackle. Uh, but of course, knowing me, I get overly ambitious. And so I overbooked my calendar. And then things I did not see coming showed up that I had to address. And then all of a sudden, I found myself very overwhelmed very quickly with my own schedule. And this lasted for weeks on end, where I just could not kind of get myself back on track. And I felt that I was like drowning in my own work. And this whole thing kind of culminated when I was doing a product launch. And I was literally the night of the product launch closing. And I was you know, working really hard and I had been busy all day. And I was eating a salad and the salad got stuck in my esophagus right in the middle of my chest. Uh, so I wasn't, I wasn't choking on it, but it got jammed right in the middle of my chest next to my heart. And then all of a sudden I got massive chest pains. I couldn't breathe well. I was nauseous. So I thought I was having a heart attack and I completely freaked out. Um, long story short, my wife calls an ambulance. I go to the hospital and get checked out by a doctor. And the whole thing ended up being uh, what's called an esophageal spasm, which is a stress-induced condition that normally happens in young men who are normally healthy. And it's usually just caused by somebody who just overworks themselves. And they get to a point where their body like literally contracts on itself. 
And that's what happened to me. And it was a really scary, really freaky moment because I literally thought I was going to die. But I didn't. And it, was, it worked out okay. But it was this massive wake-up call for me that, you know, as a guy that teaches productivity for a living, I cannot be this ridiculously overworked. And so I had to completely reshape my entire calendar and reshape my life so that I could do the things that mattered and have time for margin and free time and space to breathe. And then that's how I've been living for the last year. And it's a way better system and it works much better. But it took a real wake-up call for me to figure that out. Take us to that moment when you're on your way home, you're discharged from the hospital. You now, it's not even, you're not just thinking about making a change. You're committed, right? Things will change. What were some of the things you started saying no to? Well, that was the first thing that went through my head was what can I cut? And so I was, I went home and I was like, as I went home from there, I looked at my calendar and literally began to slash through the projects I had said yes to. I had meetings set up. I had extra you know, podcast episodes I was going to record. I had this big launch sequence for my product launch I had just done that I went through and scaled back immensely. It was basically, it was a lot of what I consider now to be very optional projects that I was you know, basically committed to doing no matter what. And I was realizing these things I said yes to are certainly optional. Like They can definitely be cut because I only said yes to them because they sounded like a good idea. They weren't necessities. They weren't things that had to happen to push my business forward or my life forward. They were just you know, good things I could pursue, but I had basically opted into them as if they were obligations. And so once that dawned on me, I was looking at my entire calendar differently and realizing everything is optional. Everything can be opted out of. And that was such a breath of fresh air because then I could reshape my calendar doing the things that I actually wanted to do that needed to happen and nothing else. And that was a big moment for me right there. Let's dive in a little deeper there because we're in the process of reinventing the paper calendar. And we are really studying what goes on inside people's minds when they look at your calendar. So do a before and after. What did you used to think? when you looked at your calendar? And what do you think now? Well, one thing I know that I was thinking beforehand was I need to schedule my entire day and my entire week and have all the spaces on the calendar filled with activity, which is very different than today where I intentionally schedule white space. Like I intentionally leave massive blocks of time wide open so that I am intentionally underbooking my calendar. Wait, what did you call the massive what of time? Like a massive amount of time. Like I was. You said like big, it was like a, it was a shape, like a, 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 a block. Like, yeah, a block of time. Oh, okay. Like it's like time blocking. Yes, exactly. Oh, interesting. Somebody should write a book. <laughs> Good call. Uh, but yeah, so that was just this huge wake up call for me that I, when I looked at my before calendar, like it was just filled from morning till night with activity. You know, some of it was good, some was optional, some was unnecessary, but it was just a lot of stuff. And then afterwards, there was a lot of intentional white space. And what is, what's funny about that, though, is that when you have a day with white space, the time gets filled anyway. Stuff's going to show up that's going to need your attention. That's what I've seen over the last year is that it doesn't really matter how much white space there is. The time gets filled anyway. And so if I don't opt into a schedule that already has white space, then I'm almost like guaranteed to fail and become overwhelmed because the time is going to be eaten up by something. And I'd rather make that proactive decision to do the things that matter and then be able to decide in the moment like how to respond to new things uh, without just feeling automatically overwhelmed by those things. So, so that is a super interesting thing that you just shared because I know 
in my experience, and I think many of you can relate to this, you start to feel stress or overwhelm when you feel like there's more things that need to get done than you have the capacity to do or the time to do it. And you made it, it just sounded so clear, Jeff, like when you're time blocking every minute of every day and you're not accounting for the fires that pop up or the urgent emails or the person stopping by asking if you've got a minute, all of a sudden you just induce stress because you never had enough white space to allow for those things to pop up. Well, it's funny too, because those pop-up things that happen so frequently, I mean, everything just from emails that show up to phone calls, to texts, to people at your office, like it's just a constant flow of distractions. And once, once I realized that, like one, yes, I want to block distractions, but two, some of those distractions have to be dealt with. And I need to be able to be responsive enough to those that doesn't throw off my entire schedule. And that was my problem is that everything was so fragile because it was so booked that if anything was off, my entire schedule was then screwed. And so I had to figure out how can I be in a position to be flexible enough to handle those things and at the same time, feel confident that everything that matters is still going to get done. Is there a time of day that you tend to have white space? Is it typically morning or afternoon or does it kind of vary from day to day? I would say on most days, I definitely intentionally schedule white space at the end of the day because I've noticed that you know, as the day progresses, people tend to bring in more offers and, and more things to do. And I want to be sure to prioritize what I care about the most in the front part of the day. And then I'll take care of other people's you know, thoughts at the end of the day. And so my priorities tend to get scheduled early in the day as much as possible. And so those hours tend to be booked either with exercise or with my highest priority for the day. But that's when I tackle those things. And the end, like the late afternoon, early evening is where most of the white space is. So you have time blocks for your priorities. And then the white space is for the everything else. Exactly. Yes. Huh. So folks, when if we were to look at your calendar, what would we see? Would we see a bunch of appointments reminding you to do the busy work? Would we see reminders saying, oh yeah, you got to do that one thing? Or would we see blocks of time, large blocks of time, hour, two hours, three hours blocked for your true priorities and then some gaps so that you have the ability to handle what comes up in your day-to-day? And based on that, do you need to make any changes? Jeff, you said one thing that I wanted to go into a little bit more. You said... Uh, after going to the e- the ER, you suddenly looked at your calendar and realized that everything was optional. Go into that a little bit more because I think for people who haven't questioned if they were going to live or die, who haven't just had that <laughs> kind of a moment that really made them look at their life so clearly, they tell themselves a story that all this stuff really does matter. So walk us through how you got over that hurdle. Well, I think it was this... I wouldn't call it an epiphany, but it was a realization that I had in that process when I looked at my calendar and saw that all these things before were just, you know, filling my time and everything afterwards seemed less important all of a sudden, you know, because of this moment. And so I came to the conclusion that everything is optional and all of my time is up to me. You know, in my book, in the very beginning, I discussed the fact that all of our time is free time. And that by definition, free time itself doesn't actually exist because every single minute of every single day is up to us. And that was a major like, kind of realization on my end because I finally saw that my entire calendar was up to me. Like I could choose everything. Now, yes, I'm an entrepreneur today, and that means I have technically more flexibility in that sense. 
but I still view it the same way, even if I had a day job or even if I was doing anything in my life, it doesn't matter what it is I've said yes to, everything is optional and I can opt in or opt out of whatever I want. Now, there are consequences to those choices and that's kind of the, you know, the, the challenge of life in many ways, but that's, that power is, is incredible to finally realize like I have the power of choice. I get to choose what to do with my time. And now that I have that power and realize it, you know, what do I want to spend my time doing? And with that, like there are only a few things I really want to do and everything else just feels like noise. And so that gives me the ability to then make really smart choices. And that is honestly why I have more balance today than I ever had before, because I'm really taking that seriously and opting into just those few things that I really care about. Hey folks, we hope you are enjoying this episode with Jeff Sanders. We wanted to let you know June 23rd and 24th, we will be hosting the One Thing Mid-Year Reset Retreat here in Austin. We wanted to invite you to join us. What inspired this live event is by the middle of the year, most people have fallen behind goal or they just lack clarity on where they stand toward their goals to begin with. And the model that we've had behind the scenes that we do, that we just have never taught before, is how do you reset in the middle of the year? How do you reflect on how everything's going? How do you evaluate on your performance? How do you simplify your approach moving forward? How do you establish the correct plan and then time block the next six months so you're looking up at the end of the year feeling like you absolutely dominated your goals? If you would like to go through this experience with us, this is the first time we have ever taught this to the public, go to theonething.com slash reset Retreat. That's the one thing.com with the number one in the URL slash reset retreat. There's also a link in the description to this episode, and we hope that you'll be joining us in Austin, Texas, June 23rd and 24th. Describe your days now. I mean, you're saying you've got more, more balance. What does that look like? Well, one thing I realized probably just a few months ago is that what I really want to do with my time is lean on the things that I'm really good at and the things I really enjoy. And so this is going to be kind of a pivot in my own business over the next couple of years. But I'm going to be spending and am now more time doing the things that I think exemplify what I should be doing, which in my line of work means more podcasting. It means more speaking. It means more writing and figuring out how to guarantee that those things get the center of my focus and less of the other stuff that seems to look important. Like I've spent a lot of my time in the past tinkering with my website and with you know, a lot of technical stuff and a lot of, you know, I have, I have online products and I always found ways to kind of tinker with those a lot and realize like I was spending a lot of my time doing a lot of things that I thought was important, but my customers didn't care about or it didn't really affect the bottom line. And I just want to spend my time utilizing my strengths. And if that's all that I do, I can outsource everything else. And then ultimately my time is more balanced to the degree that I am just waking up and saying, how can I use what I'm good at today to grow my business and to push my life forward. And that's a very different mentality than I had before, which was, you know, what is on fire today or what looks fun today, you know, what's distracting today. Like that kind of attitude didn't serve me at all. So now it's just a question of how do I really optimize those few things I'm best at? And that is, and I'm in the process now of changing it all, it all up, but like that is changing how I operate every day. It's just the mindset around that. It's, it's very powerful. And Jay and I have been talking about this because behind the scenes were in the process of also writing the next book based on the one thing. It's going to be a fable. And at the heart of it will likely be purpose. And we've been asking the question, you know, how does somebody 
go about making purpose-based choices. And for Jay, for example, he's got three things that everything he chooses to invest his time in has to score a nine out of 10 in these three things, being family, being impact, and being abundance. If whatever opportunity is presented to him does not support him supporting his family, doesn't support him making an impact, or doesn't support him creating abundance for other people, he says no to it. What I'm hearing you say, Jeff, is you just got really clear on what your criteria was, that it had to be something you were great at, something you enjoyed. And if it wasn't going to be those things, it was a no. What's really funny about that is I have a vision board in my home office I'm looking at right now. And I have this big post-it note that says, is it a 9 or 10? No? Well, then walk away. And like that's the criteria I use for whatever is popping up. In fact, I got an email earlier today. It was someone asking me to you know, promote their product. And I even looked at this email. I'm like, this is not a 9 or 10 on my scale. And so I said no. And it was a very easy no to say. And I feel like that, like having filters like that is so powerful because if you don't know what matters, then everything matters. And that's a problem. And that's what I found myself in you know, for a long time was just I kept saying yes to so many things because I had no reason to say no to it. Mm. And now that I do, it's, it's just so much more effective. So here's my question for you. What are the things in your life that if it's not a 9 or a 10 out of 10, if it's not supporting those values, it's a no. What are those things that, that really matter to you? They absolutely have to be in your life. Otherwise, it's not a life worth living. Understand that these are bigger questions that you may not know the answers to right away. So based on that, if you don't, what's the one thing that you can do such that by doing it would allow you to get more clarity? Pause the episode if you need to. Figure that out because this is significant to the point that we're going to write a book on it. <laughs> Go on the early journey. Jeff, I'm putting myself in your shoes and I'm going back to the moment where I'm looking at my calendar. I'm realizing that it's just a parking lot for everyone else's priorities. I'm hearing you say that everything's optional. That sounds awesome. How do I begin to audit my time so that I know what changes I need to make? Well, in the book, I should talk about uh, an actual time audit you can do and one that I learned years ago from a man named Darren Hardy, who you may have heard of. He was the publisher of Success Magazine, and he is a phenomenal guy in many ways. But he tells this awesome story about how when he first began his career in real estate, he knew his priorities. He had three things he wanted to do in his day, but he thought, like, but I'm not getting the success that I want. Like, why is that? So he actually took a stopwatch and would calculate exactly how much time he spent in one day on his three core activities. At the end of the first day, he only had 20 minutes. Like that was the entire amount of time in the whole day he spent on the total of all three of those things put together. And so he was kind of just, you know, flabbergasted by that. Like, I can't believe it was only 20 minutes. And so his goal was then to increase that number over time. And it was phenomenal how he just, he said, like his entire business grew and expanded immensely because he was spending so much more time on the core activities. And a time audit in a very like literal sense of what you could do is go through a day of your week. Could just be a random Tuesday and write down every activity that you do for that entire day and how long you spend time on it. And at the end of that day, you look back at, well, how much time did I spend on my priorities? How much time did I spend in meetings? How much time was spent being distracted by Facebook or whatever the thing is? And with that data, you can then get a real snapshot of your life and then figure out, well, what can I do from here? How do I improve and grow the amount of time that matters and shrink the amount of time that does not matter? 
And that simple practice, even a single day of your life is so revealing because I think for most people, they realize, wow, I spent a lot of time you know, watching TV or I was on the phone or I was commuting the whole time or whatever. And you've got to figure out how to make the things that matter take up more of your time. So ultimately, your results are, are, are you know, compounded from there. And I feel like that simple practice gives you the, the data you can work with. And it's very clarifying uh, to then move forward from there. So I'm putting myself in your shoes. And I'm wondering, okay, here I am. I'm looking at my calendar. It's, it's just a mess. I'm probably not spending enough time doing this. And, and I do the time audit and I realize, oh, snap, I'm doing 20 minutes. That's not good. What's the next thing? What's that lead domino they can take, Jeff, that, such that by doing it will make everything else easier or unnecessary when it comes to acting in order of priority? I tend to approach this kind of scenario from two directions at the same time. Uh, the first one is to cut the things that don't matter. In my book, I call it cutting the nonsense. Or the second approach is to just simply spend more time on what matters right away. And you can do both of those at once if you want to. Um, I tend to enjoy cutting things a lot. So that, that's where I tend to lean towards as I just look at my day and say, well, let's, let's say, for example, that I did a time audit and I saw that I watched a TV for three hours. Well, then immediately I can cut that down to 30 minutes and save myself two and a half hours of my day. And then I can say, well, with that two and a half hours, now what is a better use of that time? How can I go do the thing that matters most in that time block or create a time block to do something that matters? And I feel like that simple approach of just first going for the easy wins gives you that motivation to want to keep doing that kind of process. And so I love to lean on things that give me the, the quick and immediate feedback so I can grow from there because I don't expect to change my entire calendar in 24 hours. I just expect to make progress every day to get closer to my ideal schedule. And that takes time. It's a process. But I'm looking for those obvious areas that I can cut and I start there. And then, of course, the opposite approach could be if I already know what matters most, I could just like force myself to opt into that thing immediately in the day. And kind of like the 5A Miracle Strategy with my podcast, like wake up and do the thing that matters most right away. You could do that at the same time. But the, the whole point, though, being that you know what matters and you know what doesn't, and then you make intentional choices to make sure the priorities are in the right place. I know you saw this quote when you read the one thing um, from FM Alexander, people don't decide their futures, they decide their habits their habits decide their futures. What's the most powerful power habit you have formed when it comes to managing your time? Exercise, 100%, which is a weird answer because it doesn't make direct sense towards getting things done for most people. But it is the thing that has defined my schedule more than anything else, especially in the last year since my health kind of went cray-cray and I had those stress issues. I decided to focus exclusively on daily exercise and letting that be my kind of leverage point for more energy, more enthusiasm, a greater sense of focus throughout the day. I went on a run this morning and that run from this morning is still giving me energy later in the day to do this interview. It's like I can feel the effects of that activity providing so much more motivation for me to want to keep doing everything else I choose to do. Um, my workouts are short. They're not that long, but they're just they're in my day. They're built in and they're powerful. And they provide such a leverage point for me to be so much more effective all day long. And so to me, like that is, it's the, it's the best answer every single day. Yeah. Well, it, I love your answer because um, it's not, it was not probably what people were expecting. Yet at the same time, when you do one thing, the right thing, it can topple over many things. You show up and you exercise every day, even if it's short, it's, it was consistent and it became a habit. 
and it has provided energy that pulls you through the rest of the day. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Well, Jeff, where can people learn more about you and the free time formula? JeffSanders.com is the website. Uh, the book link is right there as well. Of course, you can find the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else in the world. And the audiobook is coming out very soon as well. Uh, so yeah, JeffSanders.com. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Congrats on the book. And um, you know, I'm sorry to hear everything that's happened in the last 12 months. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you chose to take that and turn it into a force for, for helping others though through the book. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's quite a journey, not one I thought I'd be on, but it's, it's definitely been a great uh, wake-up call for me. Well, there you have it, my conversation with Jeff Sanders, author of The Free Time Formula and host of the 5 a.m. Miracle podcast. This was an interesting one for me, folks. You know, Jeff's somebody I've known for four years now, and I had no idea that last year things that put him into the hospital. We, I figured out that I had actually chatted with him shortly before that whole thing occurred. And I remember him talking about how the business was picking up and he was so busy and he was so happy. And in a matter of months, he finds himself in the hospital because the stress just crept up. This is a chance for you to pause and reflect. If you imagine continuing to operate in your days the way you are right now, cast that out over five years or even 10 years. What will your health look like? What will the quality of your relationships look like? If you just extrapolate those actions out over time, are you living the life that you want to be living? I think for many of us, we have an opportunity to seek that clarity to truly look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves and realize that, you know what? I'm not happy with the results and I want to make a change. Our question for you is, what is that smallest domino, that two-inch domino that you can knock over? Such that by doing it, if you did it consistently, would make everything else easier or unnecessary in that area of your world. You can go to page 114 of the book. Look at the seven circles, your spirituality, your physical health, your personal life, your relationships, your job, your business, your finances. Choose one area and ask the focusing question. What's the one thing I can do for my finances such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And keep asking the question until you get your answer down to something that is so small, so doable that it almost seems too easy. That's when you know you've done it right. You think big and then you go small. And prove to yourself that you can knock that lead domino down today. If this episode has helped you, please share it with somebody else. You can look at your phone. You can even text it to somebody if you wanted. And thank you to those of you who have recently left us a rating and review. It means the world to us. We read every single one. For example, Coupe down in New Zealand. Thank you for your review recently. They shared that they've been listening to The One Thing for over a year now and have been a member of The One Thing community. And they're now able to prioritize their days, their weeks, and months and know that they, while they may never be perfect, they're progressing toward a better version of themselves through the process. Coupe, thank you so much for being a loyal listener. Thank you for being a Living Your One Thing member. And thanks for leaving a review. It helps more people reach the podcast. So thank you. Folks, if you have not yet left us a rating and review, please do so on your podcast player of choice. It would mean the world to us. And with that, we look forward to being with you in the next episode. <laughs>